welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Stryker, and I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. <laughs> My name is Aaron, and I hate the fucking kazoo so much. It's the worst oh, fucking Oh, I was going to say this last episode, that we should invest in a electric kazoo and plug it right into the Ooh. interface. I should invest in a Glock <laughs> 9 and fucking end it all. Um, if we're doing that, boys. Uh, uh, who anyways, are you? Who am I? My name's Aaron. Uh and I love my life. I love my podcast. <laughs> and I love my podcast co-host. Aaron is also an actor. I am, yeah. Currently acting like he hates the kazoo, <laughs> but I know that he loves it. Yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, right up there with the recorder. You know, you know what? The recorder slaps. Hot cross buns for fucking everybody. everybody. <laughs> no, it's not an invitation. This is not an invitation. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank you. That's why I love Sam Sam. Uh, okay, before we get into it, we should probably talk about yeah, our, yeah. our our drink. Uh, this week, from our official, non-official sponsor of the podcast, Cabin Brewing, we got Luminosity. We've had this one before, I think, on the pod. I don't, I don't know. It's one of their core four. It's a four. Yeah, but I think this is the second time we've only had a core. Mm. Sunshine, we had. We had sunshine. We had sunshine. Uh, we had. I don't remember this can, so I. That's why I don't. Think I brought some other loggers on. Yeah, but not this bad this is boy. A good old German pills. It's a this classic summer drink. I fucking love this beer. This is very, as they say in the biz, crushable. Mm-hmm. It's crushable. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Shit. Before uh, before we get into it, something that I forgot last last episode. Yeah. Uh, so. This past weekend would have been uh, uh, myself and Brittany Lysing at the Tea House doing a full weekend because they gave me the full weekend to do a show. Congrats, that's rad. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, thinking that might lead to better things, it will not. Uh, tea House is closing at the end of the month. So oh. Tea House will no longer be a venue uh, for comedy at the end of the month, which means my Thursdays are free. Uh, but... It's not all bad. I'm not like I am. I am obviously bummed about it. I would like to say thank you to everyone who has made Tea House so amazing. That includes all of the audience members that keep coming out every week. Like that, that room has been packed the whole time I've been running it. It's been almost two years now. That's the thing that bums me out the most is that it was so close to being two years that I was running that room. But, uh, but it is closing down because uh, it's just not feasible. They were thinking about selling the place and then they were gonna like kind of you know cross like basically push everything over the way it's looking right now it might be a new venue that is owned by the same company that might bring me back to host comedy uh in the fall nice but they're going to be renovating everything fingers crossed fingers crossed i do have a question then about this if you say it's at the end of the month is your last tea house show going to be the 27th it is the 27th So so this episode comes out on the 26th oh shit i thought this came out on the 19th uh no last episode should have been the 19th last episode was the 12th oh fuck i did this wrong my bad no you're good you're good this is the 19th (laughs) is the today in music up to date yeah yeah it is up to date i just got my wednesdays mixed up no it's all good uh so yeah you got two more chances to come and see the tea house cheers Uh, to the fucking cheers to the tea house you did a really good job i'm proud of you thank you i'm proud of you man Good I shit. Just, I Shout just out. went to sip my microphone. <laughs> you know what? I fucking, that's the vibe I feel. Shout I'm out sip. to all the people that work there, too. There's a lot of nice yeah. people that work there. I feel bad for them. Perlick, uh, Julie. 
Julia's bartender, mm-hmm. who I'm going to be hanging out with later today. Nice. Uh, uh, Jake, who, uh, like, that's the other thing. A lot of people had to leave because they had to close down the top restaurant. Yeah. So a lot of the people that I, I, you know, saw every week just fucking had to, I haven't seen in a long time already. Damn. Um, so it's a bummer, but at the same time, I do feel like this is where I look at it as a, from a positive. I had two years where every week I got up and hosted a room, and I got to try out new material I got to fucking get better as a host, get better as a comedian. Uh, so, you know, it's the end, but it's not a bad thing. You also got to, you know, take care of your friends as well. Your local comedian yeah. friends. You got to give them a spot. You know, you got to highlight some people that you think is talented. Um, so I gave a really lot of people man. their very first 20 minutes on stage. So, fuck yeah, dude. Which is fucking cool as hell to think about, too. Like, a lot of people... I, I had a few people that were like, I don't think I'm ready for 20. And I was like, you're going to be ready because I'm giving you two months to get ready for it. Uh, you know? And so, a lot of people, like, had something to work for. And then they were like, oh, shit, I did that. It wasn't scary. And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, like, there's things like that. Like, I agree. I think that that was, that was cool about it, too. And they had some really garlicky garlic fries. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Some I enjoyed fucking, those fries. Some fucking hella garlicky garlic fries. Uh, I'm going to try and enjoy those fries at least one more time before it all shuts down. Well, the kitchen is already closed. Well, never fucking mind. <laughs> did I miss you say that? No, <laughs> okay. I, I, I might have I missed saying that but i will say this if you can before it ends go get julie to make you a post watermelon malone it's mm. a fucking great cocktail there you nice. gotta gotta have the post watermelon malone bet well <laughs> cheers to that cheers we already cheers it but cheers again skull let's go <laughs> on to on to on to new things new ventures on to new things on to a big old tour across i'm sure that by the time that this comes out i'll be able to announce it mm-hmm. going on tour with the theater show it's uh powakin it's uh, 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 a cree adaptation of macbeth it takes place during the cree and blackfoot wars uh and uh your boy is in that it opens uh the first week of october in halifax at the neptune nice which i'm fucking excited about and then it'll be going all over uh, Nova Scotia and then all over the Northwest Territories after that. So uh, so come see me then or else see me on my next tour when in January yeah. when I <laughs> fucking do stand-up again. Nice. That's <laughs> right, man. Congratulations. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. So to, to, to move on from a bummer note. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, not a bummer. No, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. No, it's not a bummer at all. Um. I'm driving the bus today, uh, so strap up, kids. Yeah. Uh, we're about to for, be ready for a bumpy ride. Yeah, I got the kazoo ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not a, for some reason, that's not in my notes. I don't know why. It's not in my uh, episode notes at all. Uh, <laughs> Sam is preemptively... Uh, <laughs> Sam's ready to kill my mic yeah. at any moment. But we'll do. Um, we'll just get into it. We already recorded an episode today. Our format has been. We, I guess we can communicate it to the audience. It's probably good for them to know. We're doing things a little differently, recording wise, going forward. Uh, we're trying to backlog some episodes for when you do go away. Yep. So. <laughs> double episodes every week so one episode we'll kind of be talking about what's going on in our lives unfortunately like not that much happens in our lives so yeah we kind of run out of things to talk about uh two episodes in a row 
uh, without running over the same shit. Uh, I will say we are lucky, though, that coming up we got Stampede and Folk Fest. Yes. So we, we're going to have lots of concert stories to talk about, which I'm excited. Yes, uh, I'm really we, looking for We didn't talk about it last episode, but how was your guys' weekends? It was can- just Canada Day. We talked about it beforehand, before we started recording last episode. That's true. I, I, I Honestly, all I did was look after a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I worked, and then I went to my parents' thing, and I went to... Uh, my parents had a bit of a shindig um at their at their house there was like 20 20 or so people you know the one thing i did do that i forgot to mention before i fucking saw the new indiana jones movie. yes i saw that oh, on how your... was that? i've heard not great things and also great things it's fun it's a fun <laughs> fucking movie okay here's the thing that i'm gonna say i hate that people are just shitting on everything that like they're like they did this with Star Wars, and like I think the only Star Wars movie that I really didn't like was The Last Jedi. I think other mm-hmm. than that, I was I was always able to find something enjoyable about it, and you know. But people shit on things, and they're like, "Oh, this is fucking stupid." With with the new Indiana Jones movie, now people are like upset because uh, they say it's unrealistic compared to uh, like everything else in the universe, <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the fucking first three movies, but let's let's just break it down. Ark of the Covenant, uh, a dude's face melts. Uh, they they pull out a guy's heart Kalima. in Temple of Dune, Kalima, and then in fucking uh, in in Last Crusade, they drink from an old cup and it turns them to dust. So fucking who gives well, a shit? The, what's it, the what's the fucking Shia LaBeouf one? Crystal Skull? See yeah, that one? That aliens yeah, in that one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that one, you know what? I'll say that that one is my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. I, I still haven't seen it a second time. I probably never will see it a second time, but I will see Dial of Destiny again. I thought that Harrison Ford was great in it. They really did well with the de-aging in this one. It wasn't nearly as bad as in The Irishman when, when Bob De Niro's <laughs> walking around still looking like an okay, old guy. But, like, that, the de-aging in that movie is amazing. They just can't fix his walk. Yeah. And whereas, <laughs> well, I, I, I would argue that, like, you couldn't tell how old he was meant to be in The Irishman. You, it was yeah. vague. Yeah, <laughs> like, is he, like, they keep calling him kid, but he looks like he's, like, fucking nearly 60. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like, especially at the start when he's driving the truck and he fucking yeah, runs into right. Russell Buff- Buffliano or whatever. Like he was Buffino. supposed to be like 16 or something again no, I at think, that time. Yeah, but he looked I th- 30 at I think least. he was. He looked like he was in his 40s. And I think they, like, <laughs> he was supposed to be like in his early 20s. And that 30s, walk. I yeah. remember when we watched it, we laughed so hard. The theory's like kicking that dude on yeah, the Yeah, we saw we saw it. At, oh. and we saw it at the TIFF uh, Bell Lightbox Theater. Sam was in town, and we fucking I, we probably got baked. And knowing us, we yeah, we did took it. some edibles. Yeah, and fucking we died laughing when he beats the shit out of the, sh- <laughs> the shopkeeper. You, the, you shouldn't do a wide angle yeah. when you no. know you can't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I I totally agree, and that's where I feel like in this movie, like uh, it like the first thirty minutes is like. Uh, takes place like you know around world war ii so indiana jones around that time is supposed to be in his like 40s or 50s right Mm -hmm. so it's believable it's believable with how he looks and he walks and everything uh and it's it's amazing there's a fuck ton of stunts in it there's a whole lot of it's got everything that you want in indiana jones movie he punches nazis and fucking looks for treasure what more do you want yeah that sounds sounds right up like fucking indiana jones yeah that's exactly what i want with indiana jones yeah and they even they even adapted there's like a, a great part where they they do a they do they do a fun snake joke 
that, that without actually doing a snake joke, it's great. They fucking That's cute. Uh, Phoebe Bridges Waller is fucking amazing in it. She's so fucking funny in this movie, and like uh, I don't know, I liked their chemistry. I thought that the movie was fun. Nice. I can understand if people are 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 shitty about it, but like fuck off, let people enjoy. This things. is something I've thought about a lot when it comes to movies. I feel like a lot when people like we hang out with a lot of people that are really into movies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you get really into movies people forget that movies are it's allowed to be fun yeah like it doesn't always have to be fucking serious gripping or like whatever it may be it's okay to go to a movie and just like it because it was fun i i i, I even sometimes forget that i see a movie and i'm like oh whatever like well blah, blah, blah. Yeah. but it was a fun movie like i fucking we talked about it on the podcast i love the fucking puss in boots movie the new one yeah it was a blast that's a good movie it was I a gotta, blast i would argue that's like a well-written movie <laughs> but i think people sometimes forget Especially when you get really into movies, that it's okay to go to a movie and just have fun. Yeah, I think d- we're losing that, like what you're saying. People are losing that, especially in May in like pop culture, because film nerds will be film nerds. Yeah, yeah. But like because blockbusters used to be like a once every two month event, and now we're getting like two blockbusters a week, and yeah. we're like losing focus on what a blockbuster should be. Yeah. There used to be the summer blockbuster. Yeah, one and, movie. One movie, and you know what? Last year. Top Gun Maverick fucking nailed it. That movie yeah. was so fucking fun, and it had the right amount of nostalgia. It had the right amount of like mm-hmm. of like modernizing the fucking. Th- that movie story. fucking ruled. I didn't think I, I went great. in there thinking I wasn't gonna like it. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, and, and I loved it. And yeah. I love that movie. Just cut I, the opening, and the movie's perfect. I hate yeah. the opening of that. <laughs> I, I, I I dug the I I really dug the Val Kilmer fucking mm-hmm. scene. Oh my Holy God. shit, that was almost good. brought a tear to my eye. Like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> awesome. Fucking fighter jets are so cool. They are cool. Yeah, like fucking. Can we just can we just admit that sometimes it's fun to watch shit blow up on? Oh screen? my god, Dude, the yeah. sound design in that movie as well. Like mm-hmm. you, they nailed everything. Yeah. Especially I did the double feature, watch the original, and then that the original sucks compared to the. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, thing. it's so fucking that's like boring. I, that's why I love like some of the '90s action movies, like The Rock, dude. That movie yeah. fucking <laughs> rolled. Like Michael Bay at his best, man. Like fuck, man. I love those old action movies because they were just fun. You just mm-hmm. watch shit blow up. They didn't care about being cheesy. Now it's like when an, an action movie is cheesy, they are like pointing out the fact that it's cheesy. You know what's a every perfect time, example yeah. of that? Fucking Face Off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit, what a stupid premise, but man, that movie's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck off if people think that's not a fun movie. Oh, it's you get amazing. to watch two extremely over-the-top actors try and be the other person. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I do miss some of the ridiculous movies they used to make, like fucking Twins, dude. Oh, there never oh. be another fucking Twins. They used to make the most fucking randomest movies, dude. Like, it's the best. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, Everything we've is... lost a lot of it because when absurdist comments or, like, ideas show up in film i find they always take grounded approaches and like they're cool but it's ridiculous i think of the movie frank where the dude wears a fucking paper mache head for mm -hmm. the whole movie yeah and they try and make it's a great movie but like they make it realistic and about depression and all this shit and like you could just have fun with the idea of a dude who never takes off a paper mache well i think in recent times too it's like every movie has to be a money maker it's starting to starting to see some other you know some more indie movies pop up that still get you know the Oscar success. But every movie nowadays, I feel like it's so formulaic. It has to make money. Yeah. Um, especially when it, like I know you know how I stand on the superhero stuff. But like everything has to fucking follow the same formula. It has to make X amount of dollars. It, it drives me nuts because you lose the unique 
the unique movies that yeah. used to come out, the stuff that became hits because they were unique, mm-hmm. but nobody takes a shot on them. Nobody takes a flyer on them anymore because they're, they're not guaranteed to make any money. I did see the new Spider-Verse movie, and that fucks. That movie's really good. I watched that, Holy too. Holy shit. Banger. But but even that man, the fucking multiverse thing now is everywhere, dude. Yeah, I'm over it. It was unique. I agree. It was unique when that came out, and now it's stale. It's like how many yeah. fucking multiverse movies have there been now since the fucking Into the Spider? Everything, everywhere, all at once was the last one that yeah. did it well. And mm-hmm. like this movie does it amazing, but I'm bored of it. I don't care. But it's the hot thing for like fucking like. We're whatever. gonna get a lot of it though because the like Marvel movies are just yeah. dipping their toes into it right fucking now. Fucking annoying, dude. That's so annoying. Like the fucking wasn't well. There was yeah. There's been so many like the fucking Spider Man was a multi universe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, They're like just about to start it all up though. Like this is I. I I've was read... it was the new Ant Man as well? No, but it's like setting up for it to happen. Uh, it's it's all doing that, and I've read this Boring. comic run of Marvel, like the Secret Wars and the Secret Invasion. I've read this era, and like we're this is the tip of the iceberg for ah. what Marvel's about to get into with multiverse shit. Ugh. Fucking boring. This is, it's like there's going to be some cool moments, but I don't know if I could watch the movies to get to those cool moments. Yeah, that shit is fucking already gone stale. Like that's like I said, everybody's taken. So this movie was unique. We're gonna pump the formula out again. Yeah. Oh, you want three three Spider Mans? We already had you know. 15 Spider-Mans in the, the yeah. first Spider-Verse. Now we got Tobey Maguire's back and Andrew Garfield's back. And, and you know, I got to say this, too. Like, how, like, we get probably every two or three months there's a Marvel movie. Yeah. And in it's that, like every month at this point. Yeah. If it's not a movie, it's a TV show coming out. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, we have all the DC shit as well. Mm-hmm. And DC Boring, is, dude. Fuck. Yeah, so fucking boring. All of them, like, all of them are the exact same trope. And, like... They, they follow the exact same formula, so you're like, okay, so uh, uh, introduce superhero, he doesn't know how to use his powers, uh, then he figures it out, then uh, mm-hmm. bad guy introduction, conflict, will the superhero survive? <laughs> of course he will, he's got fucking hero armor. This so what is... I appreciated about the last, or the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie was they just got into it. They're like, yeah, I got bit by a spider, fuck. And they didn't give him an origin story. And I appreciated that. But now I'm... And then, like, for blockbusters, like, the last Tom Holland one that we're talking about, like, that was the last, like, made-for-theater blockbuster I feel like I've seen. Like, that was made... To watch it with an audience and freak out over. Well, until until Oppenheimer comes out. Now. Yeah, dude, Oppenheimer, yeah. Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why TV has been so much better yeah. the past five years. Yeah, TV has been killing it because it's so much better than movies. They're they're actually producing original ideas. They're actually you know investing money in new styles of content, new storylines. Like, it's fucking amazing. Say this while we can, because the next, like, two years of TV is going to fucking suck because of this writer strike. Well, yeah. it, it is, and it's it's also going to be a lot of uh, reality TV is, is yep. about to make another boom like it did in the fucking, uh, you know, mid-2000s yeah, when the there last was the writer last writer strike. strike. And, and, you know, it, it sucks, too, because, like, I, I feel like uh, the biggest problem is is that, like, I, I, I would have, like, I, I obviously, I support the writers and everything. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't need to get residuals off of, off of their work and everything like that. But what I will say is that studios need to give writers the freedom to have original ideas again. Because the problem is, is that all of these writers are writing these, like, a lot of the Marvel and Star Wars shows and all that. Like, it's a lot of 
based off of canon and based off of X, Y, and Z, so they have to work within a certain parameter. And then, but that that falls into the same problem I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Right? Everything is has to have a proven track record before they greenlight a new movie. Yep. That's Money. that's a part of the problem. Is they're so focused on movies, and it only got worse after COVID because mo- mo- movies took such a hard hit. It's only getting worse yeah. because they they couldn't actually you know have movies in theaters, so they lost out on a bunch of fucking money. All the stuff that was already in production, they lost out on for a year. You know, nobody was going to fucking movie theater. So now it's everything's got to have a proven track record. They're playing yeah. catch up. They want to make their money back. Like it's it's shitty. Yeah, and that's why the strike is so rough because they're trying to make their money back. And these writers are like, hey, you're making a fuckload of money and we're not getting any residuals off streaming. So now mm-hmm. they're trying to get that just tiny pinch of money. Yeah. And it's like fucking annoying to watch and it's sad to see like you you are right about the reality tv thing because it's already netflix has already turned to reality tv because producing you know unique original content full-fledged tv shows um it's so much more expensive than actually just pumping out reality shows in reality tv shows do numbers oh yeah so yeah it's a it's an interesting all these shows especially netflix like the only original content you're gonna see from them is like them just buying a movie after they saw it at Cannes. Yeah. Like that's all it's going to be. They're not going to be making it. They're going to be buying the rights to it. Yeah. No, it's true. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm like one bad day away from fucking auditioning for Big Brother. So what, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Yo, can it, we all audition and try and get on? It's, That'd be great. It's, it's a weird thing. It's, you know, the market is, the streaming market and the content market is so oversaturated, but it's also saturated with the same shit yeah so it's it's a really like i mean i don't know personally i turn more towards youtube content now same i do as well yeah mm-hmm. I, basically all i watch podcasts like yeah. long form like what do you call those where it dots your essay video essays yeah. like long form video, video essays. essays i love that shit i either go to that or else i go like like uh like Two of my favorite series that I've seen in the last, uh, you know, five years, and not that they were only made in the last five years, but uh, Game of Thrones and The Crown. Yeah. I'm like, I like, I like shows that are like that have that fucking character drama, and like they're really well produced, and like, like there's so much money that is put into it because there's so much care put into every aspect of it. I like shows like that. I don't mm-hmm. want to fucking watch, uh, you know, some half-assed melodrama that shouldn't <laughs> be fucking serialized. That's the other thing. When the hell are we going to see a comeback of procedural dramas and like and and fucking sitcoms that don't follow a canon? Like I don't need to watch a whole series to enjoy something. Like I miss the days of like CSI Miami. You know where you can mm. just fucking turn it on for an hour. There, there are some shows that still do that. Like it's always sunny. Is still, yeah, yeah it's still mm. like you could you could turn on any episode what of are it's they always on? sunny. Season seventeen right yeah, now. Yeah, season sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, yeah. you could turn Jesus. that on and it's fucking. You don't have to follow. Same with like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but they yeah. make a season like every five years, so it yeah. doesn't fucking matter. That that show's been running for twenty years and they have thirty episodes. Well, and we were yeah. talking about on the car right here, like Abbott Elementary had such a strong first season. Yeah, and season so, two just. I'm so disappointed in that show. I don't know if you're familiar. It's uh, Quinta Brunson. She used to be on BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. Um, But she made this really unique um, sitcom about, like, school teachers in inner city Philadelphia um, and, like, the struggles they have with underfunded schools and things like that. She's a brand new teacher. And um, fucking awesome show. First season was, like, 10 episodes, 12 episodes. Great sitcom. Fucking really funny, unique uh, great characters, and then the second season, it's like a bloated twenty-five episode. Yeah. Fucking, I watched. We watched like seven or eight episodes. Me and Sarah, and we're like, yeah, it's nothing has changed. It lost its charm. The characters are all now formulaic. They grew in the first season. They had character growth, and they don't anymore. Yeah, it's disappointing. 
God, that's a bummer. That's that 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 reminds me of Glow. Mm. The first first oh, season was dude, great. First season fucked. It was so good, and like, and then they they tried to make everyone too likable, and they really didn't need to. They they needed to <laughs> double down on like the hateability of some people to make mm. it interesting. I love an antihero, man. I love a good yeah. antihero. Yeah. Fucking BoJack Horseman. There's Bojack, another example. Another good. That was good one. yeah. It's really great. Really TV. fucking well written. Really amazing. Ended like ass though i will say the last last i enjoyed it but the final episode was that's what i mean the yeah final but like the so final like if they didn't have the final episode and just end it blankly with the second to last episode because yeah. that's like the death episode yeah the view from halfway down should have been the series I, that's a that's a finale like it was I, beautiful i, I would have loved that instead of the fake out and then oh like here, let's go through all the fucking problems that he had again. Oh, look, him and Diane are just looking at the stars at the mm-hmm. end of it. Fucking, I didn't need to know any of that. I didn't need to know yeah, any of that. Yeah, that's what, yeah, if if anything comes out of this writer's strike, it should be better endings to fucking TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Holy fuck, man. Yeah. First give them a good ending yeah, on this strike. It's true, it's true. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, our segment, Misfits on yeah. Television and Movies. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're all excited for Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yes, yep. doubleheader. I feel like we should go together, boys. I'm, pl- we- I'm trying to plan a little outing where we do like Oppenheimer, then we go get drinks at like and food and get kind of tipsy and then go see Barbie. That's my thought, too. <laughs> I, I, I want to see that, too. I want to see my homie Simu. Mm. Fucking Simu. I think I want to see Barbie first. Simu. Simu fucking, uh, he, uh, he, he needs a social out. media manager. He helped me out when I first moved to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember you yeah. were messaging with him. Yeah. yeah. Did uh, you see all the shit that was going down with him on TikTok? A when? Oh, like a few <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> oh, people specific. don't like, people do not like him that much do on they, the internet. Do they, did uh, he pull a Howie Mandel? No, he, <laughs> well, kind of. Like, he needs a social media manager because he runs everything himself still. And like the whole TikTok ha- thing that happened, like somebody just made a TikTok be like, I don't really like him for these reasons, which when you're a celebrity, that's going to happen. And he like starts beef. Like he starts the beef with this chick and then everybody doubles down being like, shut the fuck up. Let her have her opinion. And then he triples down on everybody else. And he just like, wouldn't take like any little bit of criticism. And it was just like, came down to like, dude, just get off the internet. Like shut the fuck up. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. My boy. Yeah. (laughs) He seems like a very nice person. He just needs a social media manager. Also one more thing on Barbie. Thank God they canceled it with Amy Schumer. Oh my God. Can you imagine this movie with fucking Amy Schumer? It was also a completely different script and director attached to it at that point. Like, and, and I gotta say this too. Like, I, I mean like, I know that everybody like it's popular for people to hate on Amy Schumer. I will say her early shit was great though. Like she was Gilmore Girls is amazing. Wait, what? Gilmore Girls. Amy Schumer? Yeah. Was she in Gilmore Girls? Yeah, she's like a main character on that. What are you talking about? Amy Schumer. Oh no, I'm thinking Melissa McCarthy. My bad. Yeah, what? Are you I don't talking know what about? I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> Sam, mute your own mic now. <laughs> yeah, you, you lost your privilege. <laughs> you don't get to edit that one out. Yeah, you don't get to edit that out. No, you don't get to edit that one out. <laughs> Amy Schumer and Gilmore Girls. You know she was. You know she was also in fucking Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's in Goodfellas, dude. This is fucking so amazing. No, you know what she was in? She was in uh, King of Comedy. Oh that yeah, no, movie. it was no, fucking no, no. Taxi Driver. She guys, played the little girl. Guys, it was Casablanca. Yeah, she 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 played she played the little girl in fucking Taxi Driver. Guys. I don't know either because they're very different people. Very different. <laughs> she was she was so good in Sophie's Choice, man. 
God bless Amy Schumer, dude. She's fucking. She's in everything, man. What else hasn't she been in? Oh, uh, fucking. Well, she was great in Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Golden Girls was good. Girls. Yeah. How I Met Amy Schumer, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, dude. Yeah, I, I, I loved that. I loved that. She, you know what? Her and Neil Patrick Harris, best chemistry. Yeah, oh I yeah. I was glad they got married in the end. Yeah, that was really good, dude. I fucking, best part of the show, best actually. Part of the show. <laughs> Fuck, dude, I love that. And the ukulele scene. Dude, dude, those two dude, her role as fucking Carmella on The Sopranos dude, is unbelievable. She fucking kills it in there. Yeah, yeah. Tony! Tony! <laughs> Tony, listen, so there was a dick in my ass today. Yeah, Tony! Tony, my, my pussy is so fat. <laughs> you could, it looks like Gabagoo. Cool. <laughs> you know what? I feel like we named the wrong person Big Pussy because of my vagina. <laughs> uh, the worst thing Amy Schumer did do, though, was fucking let LeBron James think he can act. Yeah, that yeah, was really bad. Yeah, that's like... Because that, that spawned a, a movie of his own that also wasn't great, so... Space Jam. <laughs> Space Jam 2. <laughs> Space Jammer. <laughs> Terrible. Anyways, shall we do the thing with the Did music? Did you hear that Nate Bargatze ate one of LeBron James' pubes? No, I never heard That's about that. That's apparently a story floating around right now that just came out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Inter- I didn't know that about LeBron James. Yeah, I didn't know that about Nate Bargatze either. I don't know. I Anthony know Jeselnik is. said that it happened, though. Who's so. Nate Bargatze? He's a really clean comic. Wow. He does Christian comedy. Oh, like Amy Schumer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> she was great on the Glenn Campbell Gospel Hour. <laughs> All right, so every episode, we start out with uh, a segment called Sam Sam the Tech Man's Today in Music History. This whole segment's dedicated to Amy Schumer. This is dedicated to Amy Schumer. <laughs> so in 2010, and her work on Slumdog Millionaire. In 2010, Amy Schumer and his former and her former Black Sabbath bandmate, no, Ozzy Osbourne and her his former Black Sabbath bandmate Tommy Tony Iommi settled a long-running legal dispute over the use of the group's name. Ooh. Ozzy had filed suit against the guitarist in May of I guess 20, 2009, accusing Iomi of falsely proclaiming to be the sole owner of the Black Sabbath name. By lodging an application with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the pair released a joint statement confirming they had settled the dispute amicably. I'll bet any money that Ozzy had no idea or cared at all about that, but Sharon Osbourne did. Mm, <laughs> 1980, Queen scored their UK number one album with The Game, featuring the single... Another one bites the dust. Ooh. 2001. <laughs> Wu-Tang. <laughs> okay, you're done. You're done, son. You're no. done, son. 2001 Wu-Tang Clan rapper, Old Dirty Bastard, Russell Jones in brackets, was sentenced to spend between two and four years behind bars after being found guilty of drug possession. Ooh. He was arrested in July 1999 when police found cocaine and marijuana in his car. After he was pulled over for driving through a red light. Shimmy, shimmy, yo, shimmy, yo, shimmy, yay. Give me the mic so I can take it away. The rapper was later sent to a Los Angeles rehabilitation center and went on the run from authorities. (laughs) Okay, you keep referencing things as last October or last year, but things that happened 20 years ago. That's because it's within the year. Okay. Last year. Sam just copied it. Don't fucking I did pretty much copy it. But it it makes sense in my head. It does make sense In 2010, blah, 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 last year. I just, when I'm reading it, I just edit in my brain. That's what I'm doing. uh, Yeah. Uh, 1974, the Ozark Music Festival was held over three days in on the Missouri State Fairgrounds in Sedalia, Missouri. 
Ooh, Sedalia, Missouri. One of the Sedalia. largest music festivals ever held. Some estimates have put the count at the crowd count at over 350,000 people. Holy fuck. Acts who appeared were Bachman Turner Overdrive. Nice. Blue Oyster Cult. Nice. The Eagles. Nice. America. Nice. Marshall Tucker Band. Nice. The Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Nice. Boss Skaggs. Ted Nugent. Nice. Leonard Skinner. Uh, Electric Flag. Joe Walsh. Aerosmith. And Spirit. Shit. That's a... I would I would have loved to have been there. Mm-hmm. I like the fucking... You ever see the concert footage? It's a different thing, but a large concert of Metallica playing in uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah. Like, fucking insane. That's fucking crazy. There's like over 1.2 million people there. Yeah. Fucking speaking of, I think the next one or is about a Soviet Union concert. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This is uh, 1987. Bruce Springsteen played his first ever show behind the Iron Curtain when he appeared in East Berlin in front of 180,000 people. The show was broadcast on I'd be East so German pissed TV. as an audience member, though, if I showed up and then he's just behind a fucking <laughs> Iron Curtain. God, that's annoying. He's on the other side of the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2009, uh, crowds dancing at a festival triggered minor earthquakes. The biggest tremors were recorded during the headline set by indie band Two Door Cinema Club at <laughs> Tramlines Festival in Sheffield, England. Uh, Manic Street Preachers, Lewis Capaldi and Nile Rodgers and Chick and Chic were also on the bill. I bet they fucking no one was dancing to fucking Lewis Capaldi. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the documentary about him yet? No, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, there's one on Netflix. I, 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 I saw the trailer for it, and fuck, he was annoying to listen to. Oh, I don't really, mind I really like I him. I don't mind him as a person. He just All he does is ballads. Yeah, like yeah. his music. Like no, no, no. Just if like if a track comes on, He I'm was talking it. with somebody about something, and they were asking him questions about the documentary. I don't remember the specifics, but he was just so annoying. And then the, the person asking the questions was like, well, but we're doing a documentary about this. We need to ask these things. And he's like... I don't care. Like it was just he, he seemed very. He annoying. does kind of give that vibe, but he's an interesting character. I like him. He has Tourette's. Yeah, he's really uh, yes. yeah, pretty bad. He just canceled a bunch of his shows because he was having really bad which, ticks. Which reminds me, <laughs> have you guys ever seen the TV show Tourette's Camp? No, no. what but the that fuck? Sounds hilarious. Oh no! <laughs> they send a bunch of British kids with Tourette's, and they send them to camp together. It's fucking amazing. Fucking cunt! Oh my god, dude! And there's one too where they send a bunch of older gentlemen to uh, gentlemen together. They go camping, and they're like buying shit. And the one guy's like, "Fucking Lucky Charms!" He's just screaming about Lucky Charms. Yeah, mini wheats. Oh, yeah, it's just amazing, man. Holy fuck! I want to. I feel watch bad that. at laughing, but Tourette's Camp is a really great show. Yeah, it's a. Uh, um, it's really funny. One of my best friends has Tourette's. Yeah, yeah, the, but like the verbal kind. No, he's got like the the tick type. Yeah, the physical, the kind. physical yeah. tick. Uh, Nineteen eighty nine. Residents of Washington, uh, Washington, Connecticut. Okay, formed a Rolling the Stones out of town action group where they were unhappy with the Rolling Stones and their entourage setting up in their town for rehearsals for their upcoming tour. Residents said that. It was like the army had moved in and taken over with security guards stopping locals and asking them, what are they doing there? I will say that is pretty fucking annoying. That is that is very annoying. 1972, Rolling Stones, Myth, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were arrested in Warwick, Rhode Island, on charges of assault after a fight broke out with a newspaper photographer. I love that every single episode, there's something about the Rolling Stones. There's so much arrested. Stones shit. Yeah. Every time I'm like looking up what's happened in today, there's I cut so much Stones <laughs> shit. Like, I don't know. They're so documented. It's fucking funny. 
Well, we got releases. Ooh. 1977, Elvis Presley's Moody Blue. Ooh. 1982, Donna Summer's self-titled album, Donna Summer's. Nice. Well, Donna Summer is what it says. Uh, 1989, Alex Taylor's Voodoo in Me. Ooh. 2005, Iggy Pop's A Million in Prizes, the anthology. And 2011, Lint Biscuit's Icon. <laughs> you fucker. You bastard. <laughs> Cheers. That's our Today in Music History for July 19th. Uh, That's the end of it. <laughs> now we have an album to talk about, which I feel like we fucking talked about so much already. Uh, we're talking about uh, Astro World by Travis Scott. You didn't Woo! give the proper intro. Oh. Every every episode yeah, on Misfits on Vinyl. Yeah, cut, Sam. We, we talk about... We talk about I ain't get to cut mine. You're you not can cut we're not cutting this cut shit. We're not, we're not cutting it. We're just going to no, fix fuck it. fuck you, We're going to fix it. Uh, every episode. On Misfits on Vinyl. We talk about an album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we review the album. We say some bullshit. And we uh, go into the history of the artist, what went into making this album, and why Spencer's a buffoon. This week, it's Travis Scott's Astro now, World. <laughs> now, I don't believe that there was anything in the well-done research about me being a buffoon. Uh, anyways, Astroworld is the third... We're talking about the album, not the concert, right? Yeah, we will talk about the concert. We will talk about yeah, the concert. Yeah, we will, we will. Astroworld is the third studio album... It ain't album. a mosh pit without some injuries. <laughs> anyways, okay, fucking let me get through this. Astroworld is the third studio album by American rapper Travis Scott. It was released August 3rd. 2018 through Cactus Jack Records and Grand Hustle Records and distributed by Epic Records. This album features vocals from Frank Ocean, Drake, Sway Lee, Kid Cudi, James Blake, Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire, yeah. Juice World, Sheck West, The Weeknd, 21 Savage, Gunna, Nav, Don Tolliver, Quavo, and Takeoff, among my, others. My favorite Philip Bailey track is the one he did with Phil Collins. Hmm. Also, I was going to say, it would have taken you about 15 years to get through all those rap names, knowing you. <laughs> Suck my taint. <laughs> Production was handled by multiple producers, including <laughs> Scott himself, Mike Dean, Ooh. Alan Ritter, Hitboy, Wonder Girl, who is Cactus Jack's in-house, uh, one of his in-house producers, uh, Take Keith, uh, Tame Impala, uh, Frank Dukes, Sunny Digital, Murder Beats, and Thundercat. God damn. Mm-hmm. The album... Thundercats, beast, man. A lot of great great producers on here. Take Keith. Yeah, yeah Take Keith is really good. And, of course, you got Tame Impala involved in that, which is really cool. Hit I will boy. say right now, even, it's kind of amazing with how many artists were involved in producers, how it does sound cohesive. You should see each track, how many people have writing credits and have, uh, you know, different credits on the song. It's nuts. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, Travis Scott, I will say about him, is an artist. He's, like, a really good curator of people that fit his sound and fit his vision yeah i give him a lot of props on that um so the album follows his second studio album birds in the trap sing mcknight which was released in 2016 and his collaborative album with quavo huncho jack jack huncho uh which <laughs> quavo's nickname is huncho and then travis scott's called cactus jack so they just made it huncho jack jack huncho uh, which is an awesome album, too, if you like trap. Uh, <laughs> Astroworld is a hip-hop and psychedelic rap album incorporating elements of trap and psychedelic music. Um, he also There's a couple tracks that kind of have an old-school hip-hop vibe. Um, the title of the album was announced in May of 2016 and was initially teased for a 2017 release, um, which is kind of a pattern for Travis Scott because he's been teasing his new album, Utopia, 
for like since 2021. Damn. Um, apparently, it's coming out July 23rd. It was supposed to come out in June. Um, it was also supposed to come out like two years ago. So, so in four days, it's supposed to come out. Yeah, we're waiting on that Travis Scott album. Uh, it should be interesting. It's good timing, actually. Um, the album title is named after a defunct theme park, Six Flags Astro World, which was located in Houston, Texas, which is his hometown. Uh, it closed in 2005. Um, in 2017, with an interview with GQ, Travis Scott spoke on the title of the album. They tore down Astro World, built more apartment space. That's what it's going to sound like, like taking the amusement park away from the kids. We want it back. We want the building back. That's why I'm doing it. It took the fun out of the city. Which, honestly, that makes sense for tracks like Sicko Mode. Mm-hmm. He also, like, yeah, it's a grand album, too. This album is, like, very large. Um, Scott described Astroworld as a continuation of his debut album in 2015, Rodeo, stating, My whole idea was, if you were locked into Rodeo, you were definitely locked into Astroworld. I'm just finishing the saga I started on my first album. This is supposed this is supposed to be my second album, but I had to go quick because like I said, I had all these ideas. I just had to get a, get off real quick, but now I'm finally back home with Astro World. So he's kind of coming back to his roots. He actually is putting through a, a solid vision with this album and it's very well thought through. Um, so we're going to talk about the artist. Yeet. Um, also, I think it's interesting cuz this album, I will say it like uh, cuz I think a lot of people think that, uh, like, I've heard a lot of music critics talk about how they prefer Rodeo over uh, Astroworld. Um, and I think it's funny, though, because they do sound a lot more similar than his second album does to either of those mm-hmm. two. I personally lean more towards Astroworld, but I also got really into this album when it came out. So I have more of a connection with that. I wasn't really listening to him I heard his big tracks before. Like, I heard Antidote. I heard 3005. Yeah. I heard Goosebumps, but I never really I, dove into it as much I as was I the did same. with this like, album. Yeah. Honestly, until this album came out, like, it, I, I remember when this album came out because, A, you showed me Sicko Mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, B, I just remember every frat party for, like, a solid six months, there was so many tracks from this album that were just yeah. Bumping. The moment Sicko Mode, that, like, keyboard starts the everybody cheering yeah <laughs> well i also there's also like a really great compilation video when of people listening to sicko mode for the first time not only i posted it on our instagram story the other day but like people being surprised by drake being on the track but also the switches and the yeah dance. uh people like there's like compilation videos like 20 minute long compilation videos of people just reacting to sicko mode well and there's three different like it it basically is three different songs that were made one song mm-hmm. but they it was done very fucking flawlessly yeah no he, he's he's unique in some of the stuff he does the production on this album is pretty yeah, unmatched yeah, in the hip-hop the world yeah so about the artist his name is Jacques. Jacques Bermont Webster II was born April 30th, 1991. I would like us to refer to him by just that from now on. I think I refer to him a lot as Webster, but we can uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll fill in Jacques. His name is Webster because he's like a fucking dictionary. <laughs> nice. In Houston, Texas, from ages one through six, Webster lived with his grandmother in South Park, Houston, located, located in central uh, South Central Houston. The neighborhood was notorious for crime and had an impact on a young Jacques. Growing up, my grandmother stayed in the hood, so I'd seen some random crazy shit. I saw mad bums and crazy spazzed-out motherfuckers. <laughs> I saw people looking weird, hungry, and grimy. Sick. <laughs> I, was, I was always like, I got to get the fuck out of this shit. It gave me my edge, though. It made me who I am right now. That's a direct quote from Travis. Uh, so Webster uh, Jocks moved to Missouri City, a middle-class suburban neighborhood of Houston, uh, when he was six. 
uh, with his parents. Uh, Webster's father is a soul musician, and his grandfather was a jazz composer. Ooh. Um, I know his dad owned a business, and his mom worked at, like, the Apple store when he was growing up. Um, during high school. Did they sell Granny Smiths? <laughs> yes. Mm, honey crisps. Made delicious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, mm, fuck. I'm not good with apples. Fuji. Golden. Delicious. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need fucking apples. You can keep going if you need to. No, I'm okay. okay. Um, I don't know any more apples. <laughs> during, during high school, he participated in musical theater. Ooh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is funny to think about. Um, Webster also attended the university. wonder what plays he did. I don't know. I don't know, dude. Fucking in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, dude. <laughs> That's funny. I wonder, yeah, he did musical theater. I bet he did some really fun ones. Yeah. Probably did Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on, I did Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Cats. Cats. Probably did Grease. Every high school does Grease. Yeah, every high school does Grease. Uh, maybe he, maybe, maybe he did uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Mm, that's a little bit advanced. I that think. is quite advanced. Into the Woods, maybe. Into the Woods, that could be yeah. it. Maybe Mother Courage and her children. Les Mis. Definitely not. Definitely, Definitely not. Les Mis. Les Mis, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Can I get my Travis Scott close-up for Les Mis? <laughs> <laughs> he plays Jean Valjean. <laughs> no, he I had a dream when time's gone by. It's lit. <laughs> <laughs> Without water, give me the loot. <laughs> Just to do fucking all the ballads, man. Oh fuck, that yeah, would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jacques then attended the University of Texas at San Antonio before he dropped out in his second year to fully pursue. His music career. Good choice. Um, before he was in university and a little bit during, he had a couple brief stints in some rap groups. Uh, one was called The Classmates and one was called The Graduates. Nice. Um, he kind of focused more on production at that point in time um, before he decided to branch out on his own, like we said, to, to chase a solo career in hip hop. So he stated that his uh, one of his biggest influences is Bjork. Um, and she is one of the reasons why I do what I do. Um, he's also cited Bonnie Vera as an influence, uh, Kid Cudi, MIA. Kid Cudi I could really yep. see, for MIA, sure. Kanye West, Toro Yimoy, uh, Tame Impala, T.I., and Tom York wow. uh, from Radiohead, all as influences, which is pretty eclectic for you know hip-hop artists, but it does come into a lot of his music, especially some of the stuff experimenting with auto-tune and psychedelic rock. Yeah. You get some of the outside influences in there. It makes sense. Um with what he's doing. So after leaving college, Scott mu moved from Houston to he Washington. Moved? He moved? He moved. <laughs> now I know what it feels like to be you. <laughs> uh, Scott moved from Houston to Washington Heights in New York City, where he began working with friend Mike Wax, who owned a music website called Ill Roots. After moving to New York, Scott slept on the floor at his friend's house and spent most of his time at Jess Blaze's studios <laughs> um, trying to make music and make it big. Eventually, he got frustrated in New York um, due to a lack of progression in his career, um, and he moved to Los Angeles 
only four months after being in New York. So he's uh, he's a little impatient. Um, I mean, in all fairness, though, I get it. I do get it. Yeah, so he, he's got a vision for himself, which I commend him, and he thinks he can do big things, and he's willing to chase that. Um, so he, he's in L.A. Uh, he was abandoned by a friend he was supposed to live with who had promised to help him uh, pro- provide him with housing, and um, his parents ended up cutting him off financially. Um, so he was eventually forced to go back to Houston. When he got home, his parents kicked him out um, as soon as he got home. So he ended up going back to L.A. after that and then slept on the couch of a friend who studied at uh, the uh, USC. Um, so he ended up crashing there for a bit, um, making music. Was it Khabib? <laughs> no, not UFC. USC, University of Southern California. Um, anyways, uh, uh, T.I., uh, Atlanta-based rapper uh, and owner of Grand Hustle Records, heard one of Jacques' beats, uh, titled Lights, bracket Love Sick, while in L.A., uh, T.I.'s representatives contacted Jacques, asked him if he would attend a studio for a meeting. During the meeting, T.I. freestyled over Animal, one of his productions, and then Webster signed a deal with Grand Hustle. Damn. Um, so it kind of happened for him fairly quickly when he was back in L.A., um, and then he started releasing some of his own projects and featuring on tracks, uh, which I don't include a lot of his features on the document here, but he features on a lot of different tracks. Um, that's kind of where he got his rise to fame. Um, March 27th, uh, XXL revealed that Scott was a member of their freshman class of 2013. Damn. Which also featured Schoolboy Q, Trinidad James, Joey Badass, Absol, Logic, Action Bronson, Kirko Bangs, Dizzy Wright, Angel Hayes, and Chief Keith. Wow. So there's a good couple names on there. It's one of the better lists, 2013. Uh with, I mean, you, you add Travis Scott to that, who's arguably one of the biggest hip-hop artists in the last 10 years. It's quite a quite an impressive list. Yeah. Um, I'm just shocked that Schoolboy Q is on there so late. Mm-hmm. It, like, I mean, Schoolboy Q's been kicking it for a while at that point. Yeah. Well, same with Logic and Action Bronson. Yeah, no, a few of them. Like, hearing that, hearing those names, and I don't put Travis Scott in that same category, but... That's cool. Yeah, and also in 2013, uh, he released his debut solo mixtape called Al Faro, um, which came to much critical acclaim. And it got a lot of um, comparisons to Man on the Moon, um, Kid Cudi. He kind of draws direct, direct influence from Cudi. Yeah. Um, he followed up this successful debut with a second solo mixtape called Days Before Rodeo in 2014. Uh, this mixtape received even more positive and critical acclaim. Um, following the success of Days Before Rodeo, Scott's announced that he would headline a concert tour called the Rodeo Tour with rapper Young Thug and producer Metro Boomin. Uh, ran through a bunch of major cities uh, and also had a bunch of other famous artists come and guest appear on this tour. It's kind of a legendary tour with Kanye West making appearances, uh, Chris Brown, uh, Wale, Birdman. Um, in certain cities, they all came out and uh, did did tracks with Travis, performed some of their own music. Um, he does have a close relationship with Kanye West, um, partly due to his personal life. Yeah, I was going to say... They, they used to be in-laws. Yes, but also Al Faro, Kanye, and Mike Dean did some production on it. They helped him. They did a full remix of the album for oh, him. Oh, shit. So, because uh, that album, his first mixtape was delayed like by over a year trying to clear samples. So then Kanye and Mike Dean remixed it for him. Um, so he does. He was on Kanye's radar beforehand. 
Um, and he does appear on a couple of Kanye tracks uh, later on in, in his career as well. That's so. fucking crazy. Uh, Travis released his self-debut album, Rodeo, on September 4th, 2015. This album contained singles Antidote in 2005. This album debuted at number three on the Billboard Top 200 Shit. and is certified platinum. So this is one of the ones that drove, drove him right to big fame. Um, and then 2016, uh, Scott releases his second studio album, Birds in the Trap, Sing McKnight, debuting at number one on the Billboard Top 200 with the smash hit Goosebumps featured as a single, which is remixed in 2021 and also recharted again on the remix. God damn. Which is pretty cool. Um, one thing is we'll talk about later, too, is like I give Travis Scott full props. He is really good at marketing himself. Oh, yeah. Like he is really, really smart on doing things outside of hip hop as well. Um, that makes him a really interesting character in the hip hop scene. Which Dude, he, he he plans concerts really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you. We'll talk about that in 2017. Scott announced that he'd be launching his own label under the name Cactus Jack Records. They have um, Don Toliver. They have Sheck West. Nice. Um, they, I'm trying to remember who else they have. They have a couple other. Um, they had Smoke Perp for a while, but he sucks. Um, I don't think he's a part of them anymore. Um, but anyways, he starts his own record label and he produces. He releases his own music under this record label as well. Uh, December 21st, 2017, Squat and, Squat, Scott and Quavo released their collaborative studio album. You remember the name? Do you remember Quavo, the name? Quavo, Jack, Jack, Quavo? No, Huncho, Jack, Jack, Huncho. Yeah. Close enough. And then, of course, 2018, he drops Astro World. 2019, there's a documentary film about him on Netflix called Look Mom, I Can Fly. Ooh. I hate the name of that fucking movie. It's brutal. But <laughs> uh, it's a good documentary. You learn a lot about Travis a little bit. Um, and then 2019, he released the single Highest in the Room, which peaked at number one on the Hot 100. Um, and then in 2019, he also releases a collaborative album with his uh, his whole crew on his record label, which has kind of made a resurgence in hip hop recently. They used to do it back in the day, uh, but now more people, more more um, record labels have been doing a collaborative album of the artists. Dreamville did it, J. Cole's label, um, which they've done it twice now, but the first one's fucking really good. But they released Jack Boys, uh, which was that collaborative album, like I said. That was also a really big hit, um, so it's cool. They also feature some people not on their label. Drake's on it. Quavo's on it. Like, a bunch of people are on it. Yeah, fucking really good album. Damn. So, that's cool. Um, anyway. I love when some labels do that shit. It's always so much fun. It doesn't yeah. happen as much as it used no, to. No, it, it should. Does happen, it yeah. should happen a lot more. So, uh, in 2020, Scott performed five virtual live performances in the video game Fortnite Battle Royale from April 23rd <laughs> to 25th, 2020, with visuals... <laughs> Based on his Astro World tour, <laughs> it received more than 27 million viewers. Jesus and Christ. boosted the sales of Fortnite branded Cactus Jack products such as action figures, skins, and uh, different things you could buy in Fortnite that were that's insane. That were uh, emotes that were Travis Scott related. Uh, the poor performance also included the premiere of a new song with Kid Cudi which is called the Scots <laughs> <laughs> under the duo of the same name, the Scots so that premiered <laughs> on Fortnite. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, Travis Scott is known for his frequent collaborations with brands. Um, he's like his shoes with Nike are super, super valuable. Um, 
people love his Nike collabs, his fashion collabs. He had a collab with Dior. Well, and like he had a really, really crazy collab with Ocean Gate when they did a concert together. <laughs> okay, you really, we're literally about to get into it. We're literally right there. Um, McDonald's, he had the Cactus Jack meal. Um, PlayStation. He even has a film deal with A24 Productions. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, apparently with Utopia coming out, there's also going to be a Utopia movie, um, which will be all around Travis Scott. So uh, that's going to be like Purple Rain then. Kind of, yeah. That's insane. It's going to be a full-length full length feature film. Because uh, nobody's sure really about. done that in a long time. No. No, so Tyler the Creator had been trying to do it for his album Wolf for years, and never, no production company wanted to pick it up. And then by the time people wanted to pick it up, he said no. Like Tyler Creator stopped doing it. Well, Daft Punk did it with. Yeah, yeah, but that was again like fucking intergalactic five 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 or whatever. Yeah, you don't see it too often. You see visual albums now, but not like movies for albums. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah, he's known for his collaborations. Like his Nike shoes, like I said, are fucking insane. People pay thousands of dollars for his Nikes. He, he's done like all sorts of fashion collabs. He is a fashion, uh, you know, people look at him for fashion. Um, a lot of influence in streetwear culture and stuff like that. So he's a bit of a pop culture phenomenon, I guess, um, which does take a hit. Because we're going to talk about some of his controversies. Ooh. Scott's performances have experienced a number of issues throughout the, the past. He's very hype, um, you could say. What has he done? At Lollapalooza in 2015, <laughs> Scott was charged and arrested for disorderly conduct after inciting concertgoers to ignore security and charge the stage. <laughs> Uh, the same year, at the Open Air Festival in Switzerland, he encouraged fans to attack a man who took his shoe while he was crowd surfing by stopping the concert and repeatedly telling the crowd to fuck him up while spitting on him. <laughs> um, Oof. In 2017, he was arrested for similar conduct at Lollapalooza uh, for his behavior after a performance in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, I remember that. Uh, the same year... A fan sued Scott and the organizers of a 2017 concert at Terminal 5 in Manhattan after falling from a balcony and being dragged on stage, blaming the fall on a crowd surge. Uh, the person was paralyzed, I believe. Holy um, fuck. In 2019. Did they win the lawsuit? I don't know. And then said. Jesus In 2019, Christ. three people were trampled and injured as a crowd rushed to enter the compound at Astro World. This is in 2019. Now, the infamous crowd crush at Astroworld. On November 5th, 2021, at least 10 people died and hundreds were injured in a crowd crush moving towards the stage during Scott's performance uh. at the Astroworld's festival in NRG Park in his hometown of Houston, Texas. On the first night, a crowd crush occurred, resulting in the deaths of at least nine people and the cancellation of the second second uh, night of the festival. So it's ten total, I guess, is the updated footage, is the updated numbers. In the video footage of the incident, Scott is seen doing the following, continuing performing despite chants from the crowd pleading for him to stop. Observing at least one audience member had been hurt, then ordering security for a brief moment to help him, to help, jump in real quick and keep going. 
only to continue with the rest of the show for the following hour, encouraging people to get wild and crazy, despite an ambulance passing through the crowd that was pulling out lifeless bodies. Victims that were killed oh ranged God, from dude. ages 9 to 27 years old. Oh, fuck. There is the infamous meme, which it's sad it's a meme, but of him humming. Have you seen this? He's humming over with auto-tune, and they're literally, paramedics are literally carrying a dead body out of the crowd of, like, a teenager. And he's like, mm, it's so fucked. Uh, right? And he's staring at them. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's so much to love about Travis Scott's, like, beginnings and, like, what he was doing. If only he was just a little more fucking humble, I would, <laughs> yeah. I would really love him as an artist. But, like... After this event, I just can't support a lot of his music. So I yeah. thought this would be an interesting parallel to our conversations we had about the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I kind of wanted to pick this album because this is a this. Well, we'll get into it because I'm going to talk a bit about the aftermath. But this is a bit of like the record label. No, uh, not the record label. The aftermath of the crowd crush um, we were just talking about. Um, anyways, okay, this, yeah. this is uh, this is an interesting parallel to the conversation we had about the Sex Pistols. Yeah. So, in the aftermath of the crush, news outlets highlighted Scott's history of dangerous of a dangerous disregard for audience safety. Rolling Stone featured a statement from a fan who had been paralyzed during a 2017 show. Uh, Statement is not there, but they, the Rolling Stone featured it, I guess. Uh, the New York Times took note of Scott's guilty plea for reckless endangerment after he encouraged, encouraged fans to climb security barricades in 2015. The Los Angeles Times article contained an analysis by safety ex- experts arguing that the deaths were preventable. Shortly after, a, lar- a lawsuit was announced by concert goers. It was started by Christian Paredes, who filed for a million dollars due to injuries he received during the crowd crush. Now, recently, like less than a week ago, on June 29th, 2023, a Texas grand jury decided against indicting Travis Scott on criminal charges for the crowd crush. Fuck. So he has been found legally not guilty. Um, Now, in the private courts, civil suits... It will yet to be decided, but in a legal standpoint, he is not guilty of any of the charges that were filed. Yeah, and I don't, I don't fully disagree with that. Like, when you're hosting a festival of that nature, you have lots of programmers there. Like, there's more entities who should have just pulled the plug on him and not let him keep going well, this as well. also ties into our conversation we had about Woodstock, Woodstock yeah. and Limp yeah. Biscuit. Because now, now here's my thought. Because like the difference, I think the the difference between Limp Biscuit with Woodstock and this is that Limp Biscuit was a paid performer at said festival, right? Whereas Travis Scott was one of the organizers of the festival. Yeah. So I do agree. I feel like I I feel like at a certain point there's self accountability and people mm-hmm. need to not be fucking idiots, you know. So. You can't fucking blame the artist on stage. But fucking, it's crazy because fucking crowd crushes can happen anywhere. It happened in yeah. that fucking alleyway in Korea. That is mental. Yeah. Oh yeah, I it's remember like fucking that. Like 129 people died. That was fucked. And that's that was like it. on a New Year's thing, right? Yeah. And that's just it. It's like you can't you can't fucking hold one person accountable for the no. actions of a crowd at a certain point. Like but everybody I, has to have their own accountability to a certain extent. I feel like with him though, he's got that fucking track record of 
disregarding safety yeah. concerns. And if you watch some of his concert footage, it's fucking insane. The concert yeah. footage of that event is pretty dark. Uh, like the meme that we talked about. Like that's a dark fucking moment. And well, like yeah. the chance of people begging him to stop. The one light side, if we're going to pull a silver lining from this, is I feel like after this event, the, every concert I had went to since... Artists are way more on top of like hella cautious, hella cautious, watching their crowds. Like I've been to, sh- I've been to quite a few shows before this, and only one show had I seen an artist stop and hand out waters after this. Like especially right after this, every show that, that yeah. happened at Billy Talent, man. When I saw Billy yeah. Talent, the, the, it was one of the crazier shows I've been to. People like fucking crowd serving giant mosh pit, like it was nuts and. They stopped halfway through the show. They get, we were in the front. They gave us waters, and they asked us if we wanted to jump the barrier and just stand off to the side of the stage and watch from the side of the stage. Wow. Yeah, and some people took them up on it, but yeah, it was fucking mental. Yeah, I think after this event, there was a huge shift culturally in concert goers, or not goers, but by like the artists on but stage. But to be yeah. fair, even my point before this incident, mm-hmm. his concerts were notable for being yeah. dangerous. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like, he needs to have some accountability, but I, you can't put all of it on him. Is, I it, guess my his the, responses were just weak. I don't know. Do you have that weak. on no, here? I, I remember. I don't recall exactly the words, but I remember being like, "Bro, your responses are fucked right now." But no. it was basically like, "It's not my fault." Like what we're saying is like, "It's your fault that you came to the show and didn't." Can expect you? This. Can well, you? Can you do some googling? Yeah, his response. Can I just say this though too? I feel like a part of that though is that like uh, specifically that that. Like, people in the Kardashian sphere they generally have a disregard for the lowers. Mm. You know what I mean? And it, and it's not just people that are exactly, like, related to the Kardashians in some way, shape, or form. But it's that, like, it's that Hollywood idea that has, like, really surfaced in the last, I would say, 15 years where it's become really prominent. Where it's, like, disregard regular people. Fuck it, they they're paying their money for me, right? And I feel like that you see a lot more, and and because of that, there is more incidents like this that have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough too. I would say when you're a large international artist like that, and you have giant crowds everywhere, yeah, it's easy to look at fans as just like a non-entity, like they're just like you know they're they're not people. They're the crowds yeah. I have every night. You don't look at them as individuals, whereas and you I, probably I, dehumanize to a certain extent. Whereas I individually meet every person yeah. that comes to a show <laughs> because there's fucking forty of them. Yeah, <laughs> it, you probably dehumanize to a certain extent the crowds that are at your concert, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and you want you have an energy, a specific energy for your shows. Which before this happened, it was like almost idolized how crazy his shows were. Yeah. It was like a folklore thing. It was so fucking cool that he turns up like that. He gets people to turn up like that. So it's a double edged sword, right? Which is also insane because again, like it's it's history repeating itself. Like we saw that shit happen with Woodstock ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And apparently nobody learned anything. Like, I guarantee you in another, within the next five years, we're going to have a, and it's an incident at a concert that's going to be worse than Travis Scott Astroworld. It's just going to keep happening. I have yeah. the quote here, so I wasn't totally right on this because he never, dire- th- his official statement. I do remember there was, like, some rumors, and that's what I read, but I'm not going to address rumors of what yeah. he was saying. His official statement was, I didn't even know what happened until after the event. Um yada 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 just kind of talking about how he's sad about it and then he adds people passing out and that happens at concerts but something like this damn 
it's pretty fucking weak, but yeah. at least, uh, but I do remember there was some like rumors about him but, not really knowing. But to be fair, like we'd never been up on a stage in front of you know sixty, seventy thousand people. No. Yeah, you don't know what you can and can't see or what you're paying attention to. You're also performing. His energy is a whole other world. He I can understand. Can I say this though? I have been on a stage in front of three thousand people, and even that, you can't fucking tell what is happening beyond a certain level. So, mm-hmm. it, like, uh, amplify that by thirty. You know, that's so you insane. can you can certainly criticize um, his track record history of this. This is certainly something. It's, you can criticize the track record and the response. It but I led. Like, it led yeah. up. This was something that didn't just happen overnight. Yeah, like he had a pattern of having really highly energetic and aggressive shows, and had people being injured at his shows. This is not the first time it happened. Yeah. So you can criticize that he. Didn't act before. Certainly. He probably should have should have had a lot more awareness of his shows. I by also this point. I also heard there was a lack of security at the event as yeah, well, security. which was one of the factors yeah. as well. That, which that, that is also a recurring thing with all of these concert I don't, injuries. I, I I could pull this up quickly, but I think the like because he worked with an organization to host Astro World, and I think that organization organization has been already held liable for a lot of what's happened no because like he's not directly responsible but that organization was well they're using his his name right i i don't know if i don't know how hands-on travis scott is on the planning of this festival probably for his set everything yeah but for his set but probably not for like the actual you pass it on to that company that's why i want to say how many water carts are we gonna have how many travis scott's not not deciding how many porta potties there is honestly picks the lineup and that yeah Yeah. he like helps curate but i'm pretty sure uh that that whatever company helped host that they have been found liable in some way well it's it's funny too because like uh this is a parallel uh (laughs) <laughs> okay, you remember in in uh, in 2017 the the Las Vegas uh, country music festival? Yeah, the, the shooting, shooting yeah. and all of that, right? And like that, for instance, is something that has completely like nothing to do with the artist or the festival or any of the security or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's completely out of the realm of of control of anybody that's planning any of that. It's got more to do with the hotel, I think, and the police and the lack Yeah, of... the fact that they, like, yeah. like, he was able to fucking, you know, book that room, fucking all of that shit, right? But it's like that's a very specific example of shit going wrong that has nothing to do with anybody that was involved. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, like the, the, uh, like the bombing in the Paris concert, the mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Eagles of Death Metal, whatever their band's called. Yeah, yeah. like... Sorry, I, ju- I did double check it. So Live Nation's hosted uh, at the Astro World event, and they settled privately with all the families already. That makes sense. Yeah, they did. They knew they were fucked. <laughs> I forgot about the Eagles of Death Metal. I forgot about that. That was a shooting, and then there yeah. Ariana Grande had the Manchester bombing. Yeah. Right. Yep. Forgot about that. Can we quickly take a break? I really have to pee, and my laptop's about to die. Yeah. Okay. Do pee. you have a charger? Yeah, I do have a charger, but I have to step in front of the camera to focus in. All good. Sorry. That's well, okay. while we do that, I'll tell a joke that I can't fucking tell on the podcast. Uh, when the when the uh, pull out the uh, his laptop, laptop is probably one. pretty yeah, you're charged. Yeah, uh, when the uh, when the Las Vegas uh, incident happened, <laughs> I had tweeted out and I was like, "The real tragedy is that the shooter missed Jason LT." <laughs> <laughs> Chilling on a dirt road, lay back, swear like I'm George Jones. 
Smoke rolling out the window and, and blood, blood splatter <laughs> all over the front row. <laughs> Somebody get me in a four door. <laughs> I need to get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> Cruising down the Vegas Strip. There's a shit I did not get hit. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the gunshots. I had to dip. <laughs> This is some fucked up country shit. (laughs) 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 Fucking running away now, cause I don't really give a fuck about (laughs) Back in the dirt road is a place to go. It is crazy though, that was like almost immediately after his gunshots coming out the Margo. Margo. (laughs) Gunshots firing out of the (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. Back at the Vegas Strip is a place to go. Gunshots firing at the Lamargo. Head to the left, then dip to the right. You gotta zigzag if you're doing it right. Gunshots and whiskey. Country music makes me frisky. <laughs> yeah, you no might. Problem. You have to mark that, and you have to delete that content we just. Yeah, that was. That uh, was not even that I'd give a fuck that much. I just don't want to deal with the with the backlash. You yeah. Know? I like I would still stand by that and laugh about it, but I would just I just wouldn't want to have to deal with the. <laughs> no, I don't want to fucking deal with. That. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> the Vegas Strip is the place to go. <laughs> Shooting down at the Marlago. I already marked it. Mark it again. <laughs> All right, so jumping into the next part. Yeah, the uh, uh, notable tracks and singles from this album. I, I kind of just picked my favorites. Sicko Mode. Sicko Mode. Stargazing. I, yes. Any wake Up. Call. Yes. I, uh, just Wake Up. Wake Up. I like the, Skeleton. I, lo- I love The weekend. Skeleton I didn't put down. It's not one of my favorite really? tracks. I dig. I dug it. I love Coffee Bean is my favorite track on the album. I also love Yosemite. Uh, I have Butterfly Effect. I wrote Sicko Mode. Wake Up is one of my favorite tracks too. I love The weekend. So... Not so much his solo stuff, but when he features on hip hop tracks, I love him. Dude, I love his solo shit. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I, I really dig. Do you like I, I'm idol? a fan of the weekend. Do you like the idol? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yet. Did have you watched this TV show though on HBO? That's the, the idol. idol. Oh, that, I thought yeah. you were talking about t- yeah. something else. Yeah, no, that, I haven't watched it. I've just heard, I heard shit. Things. But it made me laugh because I seen a clip from the idol and he's like talking about like being creepy. And he's like, oh, like your pussy's so tight. But in wake up, he's like. I don't want to wake up. <laughs> I just want you in my sheets. <laughs> Pussy so good. Pussy so sweet. <laughs> it just like it reminds me of a line from the idol. Uh, I do <laughs> love uh, the weekend Super Bowl performance. Though. Yeah, was that was fucking cool. Yeah. That was a great way to handle a like during COVID concert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like the song Coffee Bean. Uh, that song is probably my favorite on the entire album it's the last track on the album fucking rules yosemite's really good as well um like you mentioned stargazing skeletons uh, nc17 there's a bunch of really good tracks on this album there's some fucking bangers um now into the reception of the album any decent music gave it an 8.1 out of 10 Ooh. metacritic is an 8.85 out of 10 sorry 85 out of 100 all music gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, Astro World was met with widespread critical acclaim. Jordan Bassett of NME gave Astro World a perfect rating of 5 out of 5. Damn. Praising the album's guest appearances and noting Stop Trying to Be God as a record of extraordinary prowess while describing Coffee Bean as a moment that encapsulates the scope and ambition of Astro World. Uh, Larry Fitzmorris of 
pitchfork. I wonder labeled, if uh, Morris fits Larry. <laughs> Larry fits Morris. Labeled Astroworld as Scott's strongest album to date. Uh, stating that the skill, his skill as a curator helps sculpt a sticky, humid, psychedelic world with dazzling production and odd pleasures at every turn. I like the description of sticky and humid for this album. It does kind of feel that way. It feels humid. I don't know how you feel about that, Sam. Uh, I just, you weren't paying attention, so I wanted to say something. You it fucking got sticky. me on my phone. Yeah. Fuck off. Uh, I'm researching. It's uh, <laughs> stated that, it, yeah, it, I mean, it feels that way. I also came out in the summer in fucking sticky and humid Toronto when I was living there. So it also <laughs> felt it felt sticky and humid at that point as well. Uh, but I think it does encapsulate that what his, his what he wanted to do with it. Like he wanted to make it feel like like a theme park being taken away and trying to give it back to the kids. It had that sort of like, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Spencer? Do you agree? Do you, I, yeah? I, okay, I feel like I feel like I agree with you. It does have that, like, humid, sticky feel, but I wouldn't give it, like, a hot feel. Like, no. I, 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 everything about it feels a little cold. Mm. It's kind of how I... I, would... I know what we're talking about now. <laughs> I'm not that. I, I, I did not vibe. You did what? It wasn't sticky. It wasn't oh, hot. You didn't, you didn't think it was sticky and hot? It wasn't anything. Didn't do it. You didn't do it? <laughs> Astroworld didn't do it for you? No, I'm going to be honest. You don't like the song? No. The production's insane, but, like, I just, it's a hard listen. Listen to Coffee Bean. Change your mind. Yeah, I know. Like, I love the production on this. It's, like, a 10 out of 10 on production, but I really don't like Travis Scott's voice and vocals. And a lot of what he does with it is so weird to me. I'm going to be, mm. I'm going to have a hot take here. Mm. I feel like I'm in the middle. I feel like I'm in the middle because you love it and you like. Like, like I can't deny the production. Yeah. I will always. I will defend that. And, and on I, this album. I was also. I was also feeling the same way that the production is fucking amazing. It's I, insane. It, like it is incredible. Like it, it. It. What I thought was interesting was that I. There was times when I was listening to it where I was like, "This should sound muddier than it does." because of how much yep. is going into it, but it doesn't. And that was, that was something I really fucking dug. And I, I did think that it was interesting though, how I didn't know there was that many features on it. Like that was something that I, I personally didn't pick up on. I did feel one thing I'll say about the production. One thing is some of the auto tune felt fucking weird. Like that. Yeah. If I'm going to encapsulate production within auto tune outside of like voice. It, um, Cause I try to keep, like if I'm talking vocals, I try and actually encapsulate auto tune in mm-hmm. vocals because that's like talking about an instrument. I kind of yeah. look at it a similar way, uh, but I don't. I'm not. I really don't like the auto tune he does it, at, at any point. Like there, I like auto tune on voices a lot of times. It's rough in this album, and I don't like that part. Mm. I, 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 again, I feel kind of halfway because I do, I do agree to a certain extent, but I do think. I think sometimes on this album it works really, really well, and I really like that. It has its moments, yeah. but I, most of it, like, it, it's a hard listen for me. And, like, I, I might be coming from a place because I didn't really listen to this album until after. I, oh, I didn't follow Travis Scott at all until after at the whole Astroworld event we already mm. talked about. And then I went and listened to it maybe with a more negative look on him. But overall, like, the production I love, but I don't like a lot of the ideas that flow within this album. See, for me, I think, like, of the 2010s, mm-hmm. uh, this is one of the most influential and 
different hip hop albums that has come out. Yeah, and I probably since, just missed since that. 2010. Mm-hmm. I think it revitalized and changed the way trap music sounds. I think it changed the way auto tune was used. Whether or not I you know you don't don't like the way it was sounded, but it used it differently than a lot of other artists were using it. Um, it also yeah. pushed forward from the early like the way early trap music sounded. It pushed it into a new thing where you get. You know, now most of hip hop is dominated by this similar style of trap, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking in other influences, combining trap music with, you know, whether it's psych- psychedelic or funk or soul. It's mm-hmm. it took trap from just being trap and made it its own. You, it, it made a subgenre of trap psychedelic rap. It kind of absolutely did. Mm-hmm. I, I I probably it's hard to listen to this album now if me if i had listened to this back when it came out in that era i probably look on it a lot more fondly i think it pushed the boundaries of where hip-hop was at at the time because mm-hmm. 2016 was a monumental year in hip-hop uh that was a big year for music in general 2016 was a really big year for music um hip-hop wise fucking july talk Okay, we're not. That's not. That's not. Adds nothing to the conversation. But thank you for that. Uh, But like, Life of Pablo was 2016. That was a boundary pushing album for him. There's a lot going on there. Uh, 2015 was to pimp a butterfly, if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken, or was that 2016? Uh, I think that was maybe it was 14. Even I think it was 16. No, uh, but yeah, yeah, still like there was a lot happening that year, and I, I just kind of like this came out two years later. Two years later, but like I don't know, I. I saw what was happening, and I wasn't a big fan. I I miss Travis Scott, and so now looking back and trying to like put into perspective what was happening, I can appreciate it. But like, I'm still not the biggest fan. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Can we can we get into the 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 review or like how much do we got left in the thing before we get into the review? Because I wanna I wanna I wanna actually like talk about it in the review. I feel. More I feel like we're in the review at uh, this point. I have a couple more notes <laughs> on its, uh, reception. I'll just rifle through quick. Uh, it was four times platinum. Nice. Uh, it debuted atop the Billboard U.S. Billboard 200 with 537 album equivalent units sold, which 270,000 were pure sales. Damn. It won Album of the Year at the 2019 BET Hip Hop Awards. It was also named uh, on countless lists by several publications in the top 10 or top five best albums of 2018. Not just best hip-hop albums, just best general yeah. albums. It was nominated for, I think, three or four Grammys. It did not win, um, but it did have... It had some... Who won the Grammy for a hip-hop album that year? Uh, it might have been Kendrick with Damn. Yeah, okay. Um, Wasn't Damn 2018? This is 2018. Oh, yeah, so then it would have Damn been. came out in 2017, but the... the, the would you confirm 2018? Uh, this would be for the 2018 Grammys. And... Yeah. Uh, you need to see if it's Well, this one is. would be for 2019 because it came out during 2018. It came out in August of 2018. Yeah, so... So it would be the 2019 Grammys? Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Sorry, guys. Gotta go through no a worries. million fucking things to find it. I will vamp. Uh, we vamp, can just vamp, cut. Vamp. Uh, we're... I feel like we're all getting a little low energy. Let's just take a break to find this. <laughs> Are you guys getting low energy? No, I, feel, I'm, I'm, I feel fine. Okay, good. I'm feeling feel, a little low, and that might just be me. I'm sorry. I feel like I dipped, but I came back. Okay, bring it back, boys. Second win. Let's go. Well, there's, just, uh, there's a lot of content to talk about in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We had two episodes that were very content heavy. So Song of the year that year was This Is America. Sorry, I'm literally just trying to fucking find it yeah, right now. It's all good. It's all good. I don't want to wake up. 
I'm at the rap, um, <laughs> Jason Aldean. <laughs> he got away from me. <laughs> best rap, best rap song that year was God's Plan. That yeah, that checks out. And um, you know who won that year? Who? Cardi B, Invasion of Privacy. Okay, let's yeah. let's cue it up now, and then we'll yep. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Cardi B, <laughs> we're back. Of we're privacy. back. Uh, Cardi B won that year, uh, Invasion of Privacy. So, uh, Bodak Yellow. Fucking hell. No, I will say, bitch, you can't fuck with me I, if you wanted to. Now, I, now, uh, I'm gonna say something controversial here about this. This, the, uh, I really like Scorpion, like Drake's Scorpion album, mm. and I actually prefer it to Astro World. Really. I, I, I think that I would absolutely agree, but that might be another one. Like I listened to Scorpion at that time. I, I didn't S- listen Scorpion to Scorpion for me is like lower on my Drake. Uh, yeah. Discog. Yeah. Everything prefer... that he's, everything that he's released since then has been dog shit. Yeah. But say before that. that, there was so much better. There were some I, good tracks, but I, I really like you, Scorpion. I think, I think take care. I see. But here's the thing. Like take care. I would agree. I think that take care and Scorpion are my two favorite Drake albums. I think that Views is kind of, eh. mm. I'm not a big fan of Views. I don't know. Call me fucking crazy on that one. That's a personal thing, maybe, but I'm just not a. I'm really not a fan of. Uh, Nothing that. was the same. That's another. Yeah. Yeah. Like... I'm not as deep into Drake as well. So like Scorpion was that album that I heard. And I'm like, oh, this fucks. It also, it also was like it. It was played so much more. Uh, than than views was like in terms of like there was more tracks that were on the radio there was more tracks that I knew people were bumping all the time <laughs> uh, I remember it was played before like a lot of comedy shows uh, back when it was it, you know super popular it was at every fucking party I don't know it just it, it like Scorpion was a was a banger album I don't even know if it's gonna be in my it'll be in my top five but it's like maybe fifth. We should do um, a TikTok of your top five. I would Drake's. like to do, yeah, because I mean, like, I think "Take Care," "Nothing Was the Same" is better. Um, if you're reading, it's too late. "Views" is better than that. Um, yeah, I would even. I mean, I, I I certainly put it over her loss, over her loss. But I didn't yeah. even mind "Certified Lover Boy." It was okay. Uh, like, no, there's a, uh, there's a couple uh, tracks on that. I, I mean, there's always about. a couple tracks. Drake at least knows to put a few fucking Dude. radio hits on fucking, every album. Fucking Knife Talk might be one of my favorite Drake songs. He 21, knows. can you do something for me? Yeah, no, 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 That's such yeah. a bad song. No, I'm not he, saying the album is a good album, no, but, but he knife, knows, knife Talk is like yeah. a top top two Drake song. Top he three Drake song He knows how to fucking put out bangers on every album. He knows gotta, radio I gotta, play. I gotta, I gotta, I'm sorry. Do you even listen to Knife Talk, bro? Yeah, dude. I, dude, I, I love Drake. Like that's the other thing. Like I, I really... genuinely love God's Plan. We just talked about that, but yeah. I do genuinely love that song. Album. It's the fucking I'm bars. Not, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that Certified Lover Boy is a good album. I said it was okay. Uh, just to be clear, you guys reacted like I said it was one of his best. No, I, but I think we're did... just talking about your you Scorpion, and I in my head what you said was like it's yeah. better than Scorpion. No, I never yeah. said it was better <laughs> okay. than Scorpion. Also, it was when you said that Knife Talk is a top two Drake track. Top three for me. For me, that's. For you me, can have that. You can have that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great song. I'll let you have that. I'm not. I'm not no, saying you, you say it. You're saying you the words. You can but have you're... an opinion. It's fine if you're wrong. 
You guys are saying, you guys, you guys are saying, okay, Mr. Astroworld sucks, motherfucker. Yeah, fuck you guys. I was so nice when you were sharing your shitty opinion, Sam. So, you know, why don't you guys go fuck yourself, okay? Let me, like, you know, I say one thing about, I think an album's okay. I like one fucking song off this album a lot, and you guys, like, you're saying the words that are nice, but your face is like, yeah, I mean, your face is like that anyways, but you're making Yeah, weird I don't fa- have a good face, Aaron. Yeah, you two need to relax. You need to keep it in your lane, you two. Spencer's like, oh, we're talking about Astroworld July talk. Yeah, yeah, okay. You said 2016 was a good year in music. I just brought up July talk. I was talking about the hip-hop scene. I said into hip-hop and music in general. And you're like, oh, July talk. That, was, <laughs> that is music in general. Let me talk about Bibio. <laughs> Actually, yeah, A Mineral Love came out that year, which is a fantastic album. Yeah, we reviewed it. It's hilarious. Uh <laughs> Love you, Aaron. You do have. I respect all your music opinions, and you are right. Knife Talk slaps. Because, like I said, Drake knows how to make an album and always has radio play songs on them. Like, that yeah. is a fucking banger. That's, he always releases. Every album is guaranteed a couple bangers. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, he, di- he knows how to fucking make singles. Yeah, he knows. He does not know how to make albums. He doesn't anymore. No. I mean, I think Take Care is. Like an amazing hip hop album in general. No, Take Care is really good. Yeah, I think it's like that's a really well put together album. I think Views is a well put together album. I think that's a really solid album. If you're reading It's Too Late is really good. Yeah, Nothing Was the Same is really good. I think anything 2016 and on personally, I think is weaker. I know you guys like Scorpion, but I think it's weaker compared to his other stuff. No, um, and that's fair. I, I feel like I feel like I personally like there was there was i think the problem that i had with the other albums after after take care is that a lot of the tracks were just like the, a lot of the singles were bad and it made me not want to really be into which the, the album there's itself. like yeah like i mean like one dance is on like i think views one dance is on that's a shitty song yeah uh, um, and there's even there's even started from the bottom now we're here yeah, started from the problem. Even on, even on but even on "Take Care," like I mean, the song "Take Care" was like a big radio hit, but it's not. It doesn't fit the album at all. Yeah. I mean, that's like Drake inputting his singles into mm-hmm. complete albums. Like, but that, that's but like headlines that across is a the fucking way. great one. Yeah, it's true. The headlines is fucking. Banger. I like. I think "Look What You Done" is his best song. Uh, where I, he's talking I would about say his auntie and his mom. Yeah, my my favorite is uh, Sandra's Bros. Which is mm. from Scorpion, like mm. that. That uh, like everything about that that fucking song. Just I don't know. It, it hits me in a certain way. It hits mm. me in a certain way. Well, that's our Drake talk. We've <laughs> we've hit our hit our Drake talk. Pulled out a little too much <laughs> with Drake. I'd say. What'd you say? Too much Drake. We need more Travis. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? We had to fill our CRTC recommendations. Yeah, it's so true. With Bill C. Eleven, no, we, we'll still be pumped up. We in the did that rhythm. last episode. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, so let's review this album. Let's review Astro World. Yes, by Travis Scott. Okay, and uh, what do we review on? We review these on several different elements, uh, ranging from technical element, musical element, lyrics, reception, album art, and does it hold up? We give it a out of ten rating. Um. So yeah, let's dive into it, Spencer. Yes. Would you like to talk about your your thoughts on the technical element would, of this uh, of this album? I would absolutely love to. Uh, I actually okay. Technical element. I'm uh, giving it a solid ten. 
Uh, I actually really enjoyed the production on this. The only thing that, like, like Sam mentioned, and I've mentioned it, the auto tune at some points, but mm-hmm. it's. I do think it does still add to the tracks on the album. So I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the production a ten. And I would put auto tune in like musicality, personally. Yeah, I, I think that would go more. In- I'm gonna come in at like a nine. I think. Uh, I wouldn't want to give it a perfect 10. I think it's a really well-produced album, but I don't love every single song on the album. I think it does, doesn't have it. It does have its not so great moments, but overall it's quite a impressive scope of music. Yeah. Um, technically it's really cool. It's crisp. It's innovative. So I'm coming in at a nine. No, that's fair. Uh, Mm -hmm. so we're at a 9.5 right now. Now musical element. All right. So, uh, a few things on this. I do, I appreciate, uh, like like you said about you know changing, changing the game a lot with this album and and really making trap a lot more than what it was up until this point. I think that there's a lot of times that the instruments that are used and and like the the uh, uh, beat machines and and everything is layered really well and and they do complement each other. But I will say that there's some tracks that I felt like. Uh, like the second track on the album, it, it just, it sounded a little too, uh, generic for me where like the, the beats were just a little too, like, Mm. uh, they were just too, like what everyone else was doing. It sounded like, and I know that I'm not as, as well versed in trap music. So maybe I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this wrong. But I would I would probably give it like I'd say a six and a half or a seven out of ten. Well, I would say with with trap, it's not like. You're not talking like it's uh, overly complex. Uh, most of the stuff with trap is like, does it sound hard? Does it does it go hard? Yeah, like that's a big part of it. Like the beats go hard. It's fat fucking bass. Yeah, um, you know, like I'm not. It's not like you're listening to like, you know, box fifth symphony. Yeah. It's you know, it's fucking sicko mode and carousel and stargazing. Yeah, but here's the thing: like sicko mode, I really, really, really like, and I, mm. I, I think that 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 like that is a perfect example of like where I'm like, oh, I fucking dig this, and I understand what the genre, like what people like about the genre, right? But it's it's on some of the other tracks in the album that I was like, oh, I just fucking I can't I can't like I, I'm having a hard time liking the beat and and following the lyrics at the same time. And, that's fair. And that was that was so that's why I'd say like six and a half or a seven. I would say like musically wise too, like it's more of a sound of his voice and stuff. But like he's not as mumbly as some rappers, but he does have mumble moments. Yeah. Um. Certainly, I don't find him as mumbly as certain other rappers in the game, but he's he's got his mumble moments. He's, he's pretty clear on this yeah, album, pretty clear. and that's why like. When I listen to it, it's hard to even call it trap, in my opinion, like other than the bassiness of it. Like it Mm -hmm. leans into the pop world a lot. And that might just be the evolution of pop music to now. Yeah, Uh, I I think you can't call it an overarching trap album because it does take different styles of hip hop. mm -hmm. It does incorporate lots of different styles of hip hop. And it's also very psychedelic. I think calling it psychedelic rap with elements of trap would be the best. Would be the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, yeah. Because psychedelic falls into more of the pop genre in general. Pop mm-hmm. has always been influenced by psych rock yeah. forever. So I, I don't know. I think musically, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna go an eight on it. An so eight. I'm a nine and an eight. You're a ten and a seven. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're at we're at like an eight right now. 
lyrically, it's okay. Yeah, uh, I here's the thing that I have to say. It, like as as much as we just said it's clear and everything, there was there was some tracks where I was like, "What the fuck are they saying?" And I was I was really struggling with it, man. He I'm, is not a lyrical rapper. No. And then and then the lyrics that I can understand, I'm like, "Yeah, those words rhyme, but I don't know if you know what those words mean together." Mm-hmm. Like I, and so I I have to go like probably I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say a 6. I'm going to go in at a seven. I think he's, I think not, I don't know if it falls into lyrics, but flow wise, his delivery is great, but his lyrics are not, you're not listening to it for lyrics. Yeah. Um, you're really not. It, Travis Scott's music is about production. It's about bigger than life beats. It's about, you know, you know, it's not really a lyrical artist. You're not listening to him the same way you would listen to Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. You know, it's, you're listening to him to get amped up to kill a nine year old. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, reception. I mean, it was a smash hit. Uh, I feel like we have to give it a good score on reception. Yeah. Uh, it, like it's got to be like a nine. Yeah. Nine I'm gonna ten. say eight and a half. I think eight and a half is probably fair for it. It was an eight and a half on Metacritic. Yeah. So. So we're at like a seven point seven five right now. Yeah. Uh, album art. I think uh, the album art's fucking cool. The man. album art is really cool. I will uh, say that. It was a can't remember who the artist was. I'd have to look it up, but the album art is really unique. It is uh, very unique. I I would I would go high on the album art. I'd say like I'd say a nine on the album art personally. Now there was some controversy with the even the album art. So originally there was a transgender model that was in the photo, and without the knowledge of the photographer and the knowledge of um, the the model, she was taken out in post. Oh, so then this caused problems with Frank Ocean as well, because Frank Ocean is gay and he he's a supporter of the you know, he like he's an advocate for LGBTQ um, rights and things like that. So they had a little bit of a conflict, but apparently it was not uh, anything to do with it being transgender. It, it was being a um, very prominent, distracting figure that didn't fit the film, the 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 overarching um, theme of the photo, where it's like mm-hmm. children's parents, things like that. It was yeah, good cover up, good cover up. That's what was said. <laughs> That's what was said. So it was viewed as a distraction, but that was also a controversy with the thing. Uh, Travis explained it to Frank, and Frank did accept his explanation. Well, and I feel like I feel like maybe it was it was like outfit or something. Like it could have been something as simple as that because yeah. I mean how many times do you see like a film where you see an extra in the background and you're like what the fuck are they wearing and it takes you out of it for a second so yeah he said something lines like oh I love that support the LGBTQ shit something like that was his uh, direct quote yeah so very along the lines of what he said when all those people died damn damn that's crazy fucking crazy <laughs> isn't that crazy <laughs> ain't Anyways, that something I'm gonna go bang the Jenner sister <laughs> Anyways, uh, now so Almart, I'm giving it. I don't remember what I gave it. I think I gave it a. I'll give it a seven and a half. I think. Okay, so we're right now. We're at an eight out of ten. Does it hold up? I think so. I'd say yeah. I think it holds up. Uh, I'm excited to see what comes out next. Um, We've only got four days to wait. Yeah. Well, not really. Well, from when this episode yeah, comes out, yeah. I'm pretending that we're in the future. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's it. Uh, so what do we give that out of a 10? Uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I think that's relatively fair. Um, how do you feel about that rating? Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I, I we're averaging it out based on, like, you know, what we both gave it. So that that's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, it's funny because I feel like the way that I feel about metal and punk is kind of how you feel about, about uh, trap, yeah. you know? So it's like I, I I understand going into it that, like, 
And and like I I when I'm listening to the albums, like I am really trying to like mm-hmm. find the things that like first off, I'm finding the things that I enjoy about it, like the first listen through, and the second listen through is where I'm trying to be more critical. Yeah, well, I like I I feel like with just hip hop in general, I'm certainly open to a lot of the new sounds that are coming yeah. out of hip hop. I'm not so tied to the old style of hip hop. I still enjoy people that you know. The, I still enjoy yeah. artists that are in that that sphere, but I definitely like the the futures and the little uzi verts and the travis scotts of the world yeah um i definitely bump their shit so. isn't little uzi vert at stampede this I was year just gonna say are we still gonna try and see little uzi no it's not little uzi it's little yachty no isn't uzi no, here yachty's here yachty's here yeah yachty took the walk from poland and he's here wow. <laughs> uh, yeah which i just saw a clip of yachty speaking of the devil playing poland in poland Six times in a row. Wow, that's annoying. It's a minute and a half song, <laughs> so it was like eight minutes of Lil Yachty. That's fine. <laughs> I took a walk. Well, that's like when they played Fellas in Paris. In Paris. Yeah. Uh, like ten times in a row. That And that would be more annoying, I think. No, because U- Uzi is playing. Lil Uzi is coming? Yeah, Where? I knew it. He's uh, pl- or they are playing um, big, big big four yeah big four roadhouse really yeah, yeah. I kind of want to go see the Uzi no now. that's why like why aren't we going <laughs> I'm down to see Uzi I'm now. going to Cypress Hill on the fucking sixteenth let's plan it I'm down to see Uzi when is he here what day uh, I should have I thought Yachty was here I never Yachty saw Yachty is here Uzi. I saw Jack Harlow which I didn't care to see yeah Jack Harlow who you see that fucking lyric of Jack Harlow so no. just killing time until Sam tells me this date but he was like yeah did you he's like rapping he's like telling a story did you hear about Mikey our Mikey yeah he just got arrested for what touching little girls what the fuck yeah it's like this lyric from his fucking song he was talking to a 13 year old girl oh that's so cringy oh uh, it's bad he's not a storyteller all right well I feel like that's the end of the episode we did two today. I'm yeah. tired. I want to go get some beers with Julie, the bartender. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to trying Word. to do that. And now I'm going to do it. We're going to go to a pub in the I area. I might be wrong. Yeah. I didn't think Uzi is coming. I could have I saw Uzi. But no, I, I, I could have sworn I saw Uzi It's Yachty. Well. Pretty sure it's Yachty. I would have been on it if it was Uzi. Uh, I know Yachty was here, but yeah. I could have swore that Uzi was also here. Whatever. All right. Sign us off. Well, that's the end of the episode. Uh Anal contusions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's misfitsonvinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.